who would win in a fight? Graboids or sandworms from Dune? <laughs> oh, the Dune worms are like They're gigantic. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> We're here today to talk about Footloose and Tremors. <laughs> so what, what's the what's the connection between Footloose and Tremors, Leif? Uh, well, I, that would have we'd have to go back to that classic game, Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Wait, wait. Only in this case, it's one degree. Oh, that's a good game. How many degrees of Kevin Bacon are there between these two, uh, these two films? Well, I'm sure I could somehow get to seven and loop back to Tremors, but that, that's unnecessary because there's just one oh. degree of Kevin Bacon. He's well, in both. One degree of bacon. Oh man. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to The Popcorn Isn't Real, the podcast where we talk about films and fan theories. Uh, I'm Leif Eric. I'm here with my co-host Torvald. And today we are joined by an amazing screenwriter and filmmaker, the creator uh, and co-writer of such films as Short Circuit, Batteries Not Included, and of course, the ever-beloved Tremors. Welcome to our podcast, S.S. Wilson. Thank you. I'm happy to join and I love the name. The popcorn isn't real. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> it's a pretty good name. Le Leif came up with it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question for you is, is probably going to be one that you get a lot, but we like to start with just like a baseline. How did you become involved with the project of Tremors? The story is that we sold Short Circuit a number of years earlier. That put us on the map and, and got us into mainstream Hollywood. The first discovery that we made in that world was that we no longer had any control over our movies. Before that, we made short films that were used to be sold in schools and libraries. That was, that was an actually an actual business, and we we did pretty well for about ten years making those films. And so, anyway, we sold Short Circuit, and John Badham very never was mean to us. He just did what Hollywood does. He said, "Thank you for your script, and you'll never hear from me again." We complained to our agent, Nancy Roberts. Gosh, you know, we'd love to have more control over our movies. And she said, well, you're going to have to write something on spec. You need to go back into your old file folders and find something that you want to write. And then we will control and try to control it from square one rather than get, you know, on, on to some other movie that's already being made. So we looked in the old file folder. The idea of an underground creature was in one of those old notes. But it said something about there's a thing under the ground and a guy is sitting on a rock and he can't get off the rock. This theory just encapsulates what I think most people thought when they first watched uh, Footloose and Tremors, which is basically that <laughs> the town, <laughs> the town, most people, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone, the town of Beaumont, the small Midwestern town of Beaumont in Footloose is the same town as the town of Perfection from Tremors. The plot-centric ban on dancing in Footloose was not some religious, fanatic, puritanical attempt at controlling the young people and ridding the town of sin, like the movie would have you believe. It was actually uh, that the, the town council, the town elders, were acutely aware of a, a certain monster problem. They were aware of the Graboids uh, sleeping beneath the town. Uh, Graboids, of course, being the name of the worms from Tremors. They're not called Tremors. They're called Graboids. <laughs> in case you didn't know they were aware that there were graboids sleeping beneath the town so they banned all music and all dancing out of fear that oh. the uh the rhythmic vibrations and the noise would wake these sleeping monsters below kevin bacon's character ren in footloose of course he he stayed in the midwest you know growing up as like a cowboy kid and becoming his character valentine mcgee and tremors at which point he has to try and contain the uh, the horrific monsters that he inadvertently released with his irresponsible actions in Footloose. Well, I, I would say uh, that what I was hoping in coming on this podcast is that I would hear things that I had not heard. I have never heard that. That is quite extraordinary. Uh, fairly convoluted, but <laughs> can I say? fairly creative as well. well that's a good theory i think that that's yeah. fun i think it's a lot of fun because what kind of a town would make a law <laughs> banning dancing how stupid is that <laughs> yeah i know no so i just watched footloose for the first time yeah me too <laughs> i guess it's a classic it, the idea never really appealed to me the idea of banning dancing <laughs> yeah, well 
you know, it was a really fast watch because there are lots of just like singing and dancing sequences you can just skip. <laughs> yeah, I know. Whoa. Dude, no, no. I hope you didn't skip his anger dance. That's like the best part of the movie. No, no. I, I watched the anger. That's like the gleaming the cube moment where he's in like... <laughs> oh, a, it is. A <laughs> it's way actually, more classic movie. I was going to say most people would probably bring that the other way. <laughs> it's like the Footloose moment. <laughs> Dude, Footloose is like the gleaming the cube of dance movies <laughs> gosh he should have had to save the the preacher's daughter with dancing somehow after she gets kidnapped I know. and his well, no, troop seriously. of dancers i wish that they had done something like that in uh, in footloose like <laughs> the, so if, much better if he had actually had to use dancing to save the day instead of just dancing I mean, I guess i can see how it appealed to the masses on like a mass level because you can very, I don't understand. Well, like, how did this I, I, well, movie get like, positive word of mouth? Who saw sense. this movie and then went home and told everyone else, you gotta go see Footloose? Like, that kid taught that talent to believe in dancing again. <laughs> it's know, so it's silly. Weird. So it was based on a true story. There was a town in Oklahoma that had banned dancing from, like, the 1800s. But the kids wanted to have a prom or something, and so they, like, petitioned to bring dancing back i guess and i'll bet they just like changed the law and did <laughs> right yeah i don't think it was like a huge thing <laughs> this is an but... old antiquated law that no one cared about <laughs> that's footloose tremors on the other hand is a really oh, really fun good movie. campy <laughs> horror movie amazing movie you should everyone should watch it especially if you like horror movies or campy it's movies. so fun it is and it's, and it's fun it's for like... kids too pretty tame yeah. it's like it teaches kids if you watch it when you're a kid to like play the floor is lava game you mm -hmm. know but it's like a movie about yeah. the floor is lava. it is the floor <laughs> is lava the movie that's my first note that i have it is. i guess it is the floor is lava <laughs> <laughs> it is it's so fun I, like it just it appeals on all levels we we were aiming for that for a general audience we didn't we we, we realized as we got through along into it that it was really sort of a somewhat goofy you know concept and it's a b movie from the 50s you know that's when we grew up it's that with updated quirkier characters that was kind of that was the overall approach we hoped it would be a hit you know especially when we got kevin bacon and fred ward to star we thought oh boy you know we're in good shape so did the studio and everybody was taken aback when it didn't do as well at the box office as everybody hoped we were equally surprised when it took off in video and became the, the cult phenomenon that it is now. Now, I'm basically going to pull out some evidence from all these movies to try and tie them together. Uh, I have evidence from Footloose and Tremors 1 mainly. I also have a good amount of evidence from Tremors 3 and 4 as well. So first, I'm going to start out talking about Footloose. <laughs> I know. For Footloose, I just need to prove a few things. Mainly, I'm going to be trying to prove that Graboids exist in the Footloose universe and that they've been terrorizing this town before. So it starts out with a message. A uh, preacher is saying, God is testing us. He is testing us every day. If our Lord wasn't testing us, how could you account for the proliferation these days of obscene rock and roll music? Now, I think that this sounds like a preacher who has experienced the plague of Graboids in the past. He's justifying this to his congregation who also dealt with that. And he's telling them, don't worry, guys, it's a test. We can get through this. And the test is getting harder because of the rock and roll music is going to bring the Graboids back. <laughs> but we can get through it. We can ban the rock and roll music and we'll never have to worry about them again. This movie starts out with like an insane stunt. That girl is climbing from her car to a truck and standing in between them and dancing while a semi barrels down on them. <laughs> like, I feel like she might have been trying to get her boyfriend and possibly herself killed. <laughs> right. This makes sense. <laughs> and I'm going to point out that she does this a lot. She wants to be killed by gigantic cylindrical things barreling towards her. Whoa. <laughs> like giant worms, <laughs> like graboids. Whoa, wow. And the reason Whoa. she wants to be killed by these things is because we'll find out later that her brother was murdered by graboids and she has some amount of survivor guilt. She wants to die in the same way that he did. Um, she does this a couple times throughout the movie. So the next scene, Ren, Kevin Bacon's character, he runs into Willard at school who is wearing val's cowboy hat from tremors like it's the same <laughs> exact hat 
And uh, Ren comments on it and he's like, hey, I like that hat, <laughs> which he does because he goes and buys it later. And then he even asks yeah. where he can get it. He says, oh, do, do they sell men's clothes uh, where you bought that hat? Because <laughs> he wants it. He's like, whoa, <laughs> do they sell men's clothes there so I could buy that hat too? <laughs> he, he actually wants to. <laughs> and he does. He goes and buys it. that hat. Say, does, is there a place that sells that hat? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't. he doesn't know how to like interact and be nice and small towny he's from oh, right, a big right, city yeah. he's all abrasive yeah, and mean yeah. <laughs> so all the girls at school comment on how kevin bacon is gorgeous yeah do you do you disagree <laughs> <laughs> i even when kevin bacon is young i just don't see it i think kevin bacon is incredibly unique looking um yeah and i dig it <laughs> i think he's so kevin bacon look he looks like a freaking lizard he's so weird <laughs> he's, i don't want to be mean to lanky. him though because i love kevin bacon i think he's awesome <laughs> like he's and apparently he's, he's a dancer like a great guy <laughs> he's a fantastic dancer and yeah. gymnast like he can actually do it um and he does yeah. in will and grace which is like yeah. 20 years later. He busts out the entire choreography from Footloose. He does it in Willard Grace. Uh. So he finds out from Willard that dancing has been illegal in this town for five to six years. And Willard explains that it started when a bunch of kids got killed in yeah. a car wreck. The whole town went bananas, blaming it on car the music wreck. and liquor and dancing. Yeah, something about that doesn't add up. They call it the infamous Crosby Bridge Accident. They say five years ago, kids were playing highway tag drunk. One car hits the other and both go over the edge of the bridge dead. Right. That's when they right. started passing these laws against music and dancing. Now, what about this story has anything to do with music and dancing? Nothing. Literally <laughs> there nothing. Was a car there was no music or bridge. dancing involved in that story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so why would that story cause them to ban music and dancing? <laughs> the only reason it would is if there was no car accident, there was a graboid attack. They were dancing and it woke up the graboids. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Like, I, I noticed this town doesn't seem to have a problem with dancing, I guess, because they've got that under control. They do seem to have a problem with doing very dangerous things with cars. And I think maybe oh. that's what they should focus on. Yeah, they probably should. The girl in the beginning is doing like a Fast and Furious stunt. They they charge bulldozers at each yeah, other. I know. And like, so like someone could have died there. He, he <laughs> drove it into a ditch. It flipped over. Yep. <laughs> Seems like they'd be more careful about that if there was a big car accident on a yeah, bridge. Unless. The traumatized unless... <laughs> There is a much bigger problem in the form of giant murderous worms living under town <laughs> that will come out and eat you if you dance. Right. So they're like, we got to get rid of the dancing. The entire story of what happened five to six years ago is a massive cover up for a right. graboid attack. Clearly. No, and, and um, everything about this to me screams cult. This could be a horror movie. Kid yeah. comes to a town where they have like really strange rules and laws. <laughs> we do not dance. And there's like this preacher of the cult of the worm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and he's immediately pulled over. This is exactly what happens in all horror movies. He's pulled over yep. by the cops and they mm -hmm. hassle him because he was listening to a cassette. <laughs> and they're like, where'd you get this cassette? <laughs> like it's some sort of contraband. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it feels like, you know, he just wandered into a Texas Chainsaw Massacre town or something. <laughs> The police demand the cassette tape and find him. These cops are the most on-the-ball cops in the world. They've been arresting kids coming back over the state line from concerts, which makes no sense because they didn't even commit an infraction in this state. <laughs> they, they went to a concert somewhere else, and these police are like, no, you've been dancing, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like even in the real-life version of this story from Oklahoma— Maybe there was no dancing in that town. I don't know. But there certainly wasn't a rule of like, no radio in your car. <laughs> All I have to say is there must be some larger purpose for these rules. It's not just about keeping these kids safe, at least not from sin, maybe from giant evil worms. <laughs> I was going to say, just because you mentioned the Crosby Bridge accident, the neighboring town nearby that they keep driving to in Beaumont is Crosby. Whereas the neighboring town that they keep wanting to drive to in perfection is Bixby. Bixby. <laughs> it sounds pretty similar. <laughs> uh, but why would that town change its name? <laughs> well, you know, because uh, uh, it was just like cross, uh, like you cross the bridge where that terrible accident happened. Bix, 
just sounds better because it means like I, I can I can give a little like linguistic reason for this, actually. Um, it might be that there are two different towns. One is named Crosby and one's named Bixby. But there is kind of a sort of implication that these towns are nearby in like old English and in like Scandinavian languages, uh, which all have kind of similar roots um, due to all the, you know, Vikings uh, settling in England and <laughs> messing yeah. up the language and stuff. Um, the word B, uh, B-Y, the, uh, the suffix at the end of Crosby uh-huh. and Bixby, um, it means city. So it's like Cross City and Bix City, basically, is the name of those places. And you would get a lot of different towns with, you know, the name ending in B in an area that was settled by the same kinds of people, right? Yeah, so the town Beaumont, the word means beautiful mountain. And we know that perfection is surrounded by mountains that are seen as like almost salvation. Like they always, they like, we need to get to the mountains, you know, Mm -hmm. get out of the valley where these graboids are. Yeah. Perhaps beautiful mountain kind of became a symbol for perfection eventually. They changed it because they were like, well... First of all, everyone moved out and the, their economy crashed because of the graboids. And they're okay. like, well, we need to there rename is, it to get people there back is here. There's precedent that that exact thing would happen in perfection. That has happened before in the 1800s <laughs> yeah. where everyone moved out and the economy crashed. But we'll go yeah, over and that when we talk just about forgets about the graboids. Yeah, well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually back. enacted, like, basically in law that everyone needs to forget about the graboids. Um, <laughs> Under <laughs> penalty of torture. <laughs> kind of. I'm just saying there, there's uh, historical precedents uh, in tremors of towns making specific laws to you know permit people from only carrying out specific actions or only talking about certain things to protect them from graboids, just like what Beaumont is doing uh, by prohibiting dancing and music and stuff. Some people have tried to argue that Beaumont is in Utah because that's where it was filmed. But I can definitively prove that it is not because, because if it was a small Mormons. town in utah it would be mormon mormonism yeah, no. would be the These main religion which Mormons. john lithgow is most certainly not that's no. not the religion they're practicing but i would say that this movie was written about mormons by a person who had never who experienced knew nothing mormons. about them <laughs> yeah maybe uh, that that sounds about right next thing i wanted to mention was just that uh, i thought it was Somewhat indicative of the time that this was filmed, how uh, Ren, who is new in town and kind of universally hated, like people think of him as like the shifty newcomer. (laughs) He's the bad boy. Uh, He just immediately goes and just lands a job. No sweat. Like he's just talking to this guy and the guy's like, yeah, people don't seem to like you. And, you know, nobody really knows anything about you. And then Ren is like, yeah, well, do I have a job or not? And the guy's like, yeah, just come back tomorrow. You got a job. Like, oh, gosh. That's how you did it in the 80s. (laughs) You just get a job. Jobs going around. (laughs) This guy who didn't even like him is just like, yeah, sure. I'll give you a job. Easy. (laughs) Next uh, main, like, important thing that happens is the, uh, bulldozer chicken fight uh, that you mentioned so important well it's important because it shows that uh ren uh or val as he's known in tremors has a lot of experience in driving bulldozers right it pays (laughs) off in the sequel it pays off in tremors (laughs) so good right he doesn't know how to 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 drive a bulldozer at the beginning of footloose he learns no he has very valuable survival and then at the end of tremors they're like (laughs) we need somebody who knows how to drive a a bulldozer and earl's like i'm gonna do it i'll try doesn't know And and then val is like no i have to do it i've been training my whole freaking life for this i know how to play chicken with a bulldozer <laughs> if anyone oh, can man. play chicken with a graboid oh. using a bulldozer mm-hmm. it's definitely this guy it's so good <laughs> like he dude there's no better person for the job well that is that is truly amazing as well of course he, he might not have mentioned it to us you know he would have been trained by the transport department on the bulldozer probably when we were around so it might it must have come up then he must have told those guys oh yeah i've already done this that's great (laughs) the bulldozer link is is wonderful (laughs) shortly after this he gets overwhelmed with uh teenage feelings and goes and performs his angry dance uh, which is probably the most iconic scene of this movie leaving the cube scene (laughs) (laughs) I, i would say if there's one reason to watch this movie it is because it is the prequel to Tremors. 
If there's another yes. reason to watch this movie, it's because of Kevin Bacon's angry dance. <laughs> that, was a, that was a really good part of the movie. Right after his angry dance, um, the preacher's daughter shows up and she wants Kevin Bacon. Uh, she wants Ren to join her in standing in front of a speeding train and screaming as, you know, they die. (laughs) Why does she want to do this? It's because it reminds her of the graboids that ate her brother. She's she's -hmm. suffering another survivor guilt uh, attack, (laughs) and she wants to be crushed by a giant speeding worm-shaped object. Um, (laughs) That's the only reason she could want this, right? (laughs) It's not like she's traumatized because her brother died in a car crash and (laughs) has something to do with that. No, he got it was a graboid sandworm. Yeah. (laughs) The whole town council gets together to address a rumor that some boy wants to have a dance, (laughs) which I think is insane. (laughs) That's absolute insanity. Um, The preacher is going around like campaigning and making speeches all over town against this dance, (laughs) which is nuts. Unless... There are evil worms under the town that will come and kill them if this boy has this dance. (laughs) They're treating it as an existential threat to the existence of the town. If this boy has this dance, we are all doomed (laughs) because of the worms. Exactly. Well, I mean, and we learn in Tremors that like few things stop them. Floors don't stop them. They they can just eat you inside of a house. It takes them a little longer. But yeah, like, cars don't stop them, even though sometimes they do think cars stop them. Like the graboids yeah, think that cars stop them. <laughs> they don't stop them. <laughs> cars occasionally work really well, but sometimes just not. Yeah. <laughs> After this, Kevin Bacon goes on a crusade to teach everybody to dance because he's like, no one knows how to dance. We all have to learn how to dance. And there's a big montage of him like teaching them to dance and they're all starting to dance and they're dancing so hard that the houses are shaking and and I'm like, whoa, oh, no. Kevin Bacon, what have you done? Oh, no, they're waking up. They're going to get you. After this, Kevin Bacon has to go to the city council meeting and defend dancing uh, using the Bible. When he <laughs> tells the story of David dancing with all his might for the Lord, I thought he should have finished that story and included the part where he also uh, just got naked in public, stripped off all his clothes while he was dancing. And then when he came home, his wife chewed him out. And she's like, what the heck are you doing, you crazy naked dancing man? And then he's like, oh, yeah, no sex for you for the rest of your life. Go live in a tower and never leave. (laughs) Sorry, back to Footloose. They decide to go have like a good old fashioned book burning, which I think in real life, the reverend would probably support. But in this movie, he doesn't support it. <laughs> His thing is purely dancing. He's not a yeah, typical he, he's reverend. He's like, books are great. I just <laughs> don't like, like dancing. Everything is fine. I'm just trying to protect you from sandworms. Yes, exactly. He's <laughs> like, I wouldn't even be a reverend if it wasn't for the graboids. <laughs> I just need to get you to stop dancing and singing and making music. <laughs> just be quiet and read your books. Books are great. You sit quietly. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's talk about Tremors. My theory was just that Ren McCormack feels guilty for this because he's the one who unleashed this plague upon humanity when he brought back dancing. And that's why he had to change his name. And he had a three-letter name, and he wanted Mm. to keep that. So he went from Ren to Val. Val. He liked being a McCormack, so he changed it to McKee. Um, And so it's just very interesting how similar those two names are. And a person who perhaps unleashed a great evil upon the world certainly wouldn't want to keep his old name, but he would probably want to keep a familiar-sounding name, so it wasn't such a huge change for him. In Tremors, the main character, Val McKee, is stupid and i think he's overcompensating i think he's very well educated because he's actually ren but because he's kind of trying to hide from his past and change his name that's why he he projects this air of seeming so stupid in tremors where in at the beginning of footloose we learn that he reads kurt vonnegut he he's he's highly educated he's well spoken mm-hmm Whereas in Tremors, he's just like, hey, howdy, y'all. <laughs> Let's kill some graboids. Not, not quite no, that I, bad, I follow but... <laughs> you. I follow you. And this is actually proven really early on in the movie where they meet Rhonda, the college student. Um, she's putting up seismographs. She's been reading very unusual vibrations around. She wants to know if there's been any drilling or blasting. 
when Earl says that, oh, you do geography. He corrects him and says geology. Mm -hmm. And then she says, actually, seismology. But clearly, he's smarter than Earl. (laughs) When she says that she's supposed to monitor seismographs, uh, you know, how they measure vibrations, Val starts to eye her warily. And he then displays knowledge of this subject immediately by explaining to Earl that they measure vibrations in the ground. So he knows what she's talking about. And then... He books it out of there as soon as she finishes her sentence. Uh, seems to me like he had previous experience with vibrations in the ground and graboids, and he just wants to leave. He's, he's like, I don't want anything to do past. with this. Yeah, he's like, this <laughs> happened before. I'm not going to be here when it happens again. You are correct. It was our goal that both Val and Earl are seat-of-the-pants guys. They're not dumb. You know, they're not well-educated, and Val is one of those guys. You 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 meet them, you know, throughout your life. They, for whatever reason, they didn't go to school. When you talk to them, you realize, oh, this guy is really, really smart. He really knows his field, whatever it is. But he will say, or she, well, I never went to college. I don't know nothing, you know, and this thing. And Val is that kind of self-facing character. But you're quite right. Those moments are in there for that reason. Yes, he does know the seismograph is. Yes, he does know whether his truck is hung up or not. It's a good analysis. I applaud that, and I approve of it. So there. And you'll notice all of his actions after this lead to, like, getting out of town. He just wants to yeah. leave. He, um, wants they, to he even convinces Earl to say no to free beer, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. And Earl yeah. comments on it. He's like, holy cow, can't believe that we said no to free beer. Can you, we, we looked temptation in the eye and we did not <laughs> like, bend, which is pretty similar like, to what uh, the other preacher was a saying. A poor single mom who's just trying to raise a pogo-sticking girl from Jurassic Park. <laughs> who just wants them to do, help just, her do some work. <laughs> you know, she would have given them free beer, free meals. But no, they, they're leaving. They're going to Bixby. Um, all it took was like a single, a single sentence from some girl about vibrations in the ground. And he said desperately wants to leave. Yeah. Um, we're out of here. He even comments on it. Uh, he like, he already clearly has his suspicions about what's going on. And he even says like, as they're going, he says, man, we decided to leave this place just one damn day too late. You know, <laughs> he's like, we should have just left yesterday. If only we'd left yesterday. Um, he knows so, what's coming. <laughs> well, they, they, he does know what's coming. They find Edgar, Edgar Dean. He is a dehydrated dead man with a rifle clinging to an electric tower. A very, very disciplined man. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I will not die by graboids. No. (laughs) No matter how thirsty I get. He was willing to stay there. I will hold on to this fall, even Mm -hmm. when I'm dead. (laughs) I think Edgar's death was incredibly cool foreshadowing i really like it (laughs) they have a guy who literally (laughs) would rather dehydrate himself to death than face whatever horror is down there (laughs) that's really good yeah poor old edgar uh yes uh, thank you you know those are moments that we are proud of because again you should be the movie is the design of the movie is you know old 50s sci-fi I can't remember when we came up with it. We were excited when we came up with it. What about the first guy just starves to death or just dies of dehydration? That'd be mm-hmm. cool. And we thought it was cool too. So, and, I, and it's very nice to hear all these years later that people react to it that way. Oh, uh, maybe you know he's really old. Maybe he's one of like the original natives who was taught to like yeah. never create vibrations by dancing or moving at all. So he knows how to sit still. I will not trigger graboids. I learned from John Lithgow himself. (laughs) Yes. They meet a couple of road workers. They try and warn them. Unfortunately, right after they leave to go tell everyone else about this grisly murder, um, you know, the road worker jackhammers into a graboid and gets (laughs) dragged away. Basically, their car got hung up and they couldn't get out of there after they found those uh, dead road workers. Uh, turns out they weren't hung up at all. It was actually a graboid holding onto them. And yeah. Val seemed to know it because Earl kept telling them, we're all hung up. We're hung up. You can't get out of here. And Val kept saying, we're not hung up. We're not hung up. They weren't hung up. He knew a graboid had gotten them. He knew they had to get out of there. He, he I mean, seems like he's experienced this before. Maybe, you know, back, back when he was a teenager and into dancing. They come across... The older couple who died, uh, I think they're like trying to build yeah. a house or something. That's the car that gets eaten. I mean, it didn't get eaten, though. It got pulled into the ground and it's still in the ground. 
And I thought having them like dig out the grill of that car and slowly realize what it was was like a very cool scene. Val is the one who thinks something's wrong. Earl is like, the car is gone. We must have missed him. And then Val is like, no, 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 this is weird. He wants to find the source of the radio music he can hear. And where does he look for it? In the ground. He bends down and starts <laughs> digging and finds a car there. <laughs> so yeah, he, he knows, knows something's up. <laughs> yeah, no, he knows where things go when Graboids attack. After <laughs> he awakened the Graboids, he was probably driving around town with his playing his music in Beaumont mm-hmm. and his car yeah. got pulled into the ground. <laughs> exactly. He's like music, dancing, Graboids. <laughs> I bet his, his whole life is flashing before his eyes. They run into Rhonda after they've killed a, a Graboid. Earl says, you ever heard of anything like this before? Val says, oh, sure, Earl. Everybody knows about him. We just didn't tell you. He's not lying. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> Everybody truth. around does know about them. Not only does he know about them, other people in town know about right. them. They just don't tell anyone. <laughs> and it makes sense that Earl and Rhonda don't because Earl and Rhonda aren't from around here. <laughs> yeah. That one certainly feeds into the deeper into the conspiracy side of the theory. But, <laughs> but I'm sure you could make the case. <laughs> Val is the one who explains how the Graboids know where they are. He says, it ain't got no eyes, right? Sure as hell can't smell us underground. I say he's been listening. So he knows. I thought it was pretty cool that uh, Bert and Reba, Reba McIntyre, yeah. <laughs> it's not her name, but I thought it was cool that they took on yeah. like a graboid, like face to face, like literally yeah. like, you know, a couple feet from it and just like slaughtered it. Um, so I-, I wasn't sure. But after that, I-, I agreed that Bert deserves to be the main character of the right, entire yeah. like, series. From this movie, you might think the series main, main characters would be Earl and Val, but no, it's Bert. No, no, it's Bert. <laughs> he is the main character. He's and so he cool. totally deserves it. He is the mm-hmm. total badass in this movie. He, is, he kills so cool. more in Graboids than anyone else. <laughs> yes, he killed the first. Well, he didn't kill the first one. The first one, the first one killed like itself. Wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are just kind of, they're just underground whales. They're not really very smart. They're only scary because you don't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> Yeah, he was the first person to go toe-to-toe with one and, like, actually kill it. And his wife, Reba McIntyre, is pretty cool. She sings the ending credits song. (laughs) Well, she does. When they drive back and they have that piece of a Graboid stuck to their truck, it cuts to Reba McIntyre, and she goes, it stinks. That was the first line she recorded for this whole movie. That was the first scene she did. And apparently the instant they said cut, she, like, jumped up and was saying, woo! And was like jumping around, like celebrating. And then apparently her acting skills went way down by the time she got to Little Rascals. And she was like, uh, and it will end. And it will end. Can't even say one line. I got that sucker. It wasn't even a hard line. (laughs) It'll come right back where from the start. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. My favorite part of the end of Tremors is it's a callback to his chicken fight. But this time he has to jump out of the way. I thought it was so good. It like brought an actual tear to my eye. I was like, oh my gosh, his arc is complete. He needed to give up his values. He needed to stop pushing everyone to dance. He needed to jump out of the way. Right. No, it's a, it's a perfect setup. At the end of Tremors, the, the, the Graboid is charging toward him. And in order to defeat the Graboid... The perfect payoff from the prequel is that he has to leap over it. Just like when he was talking to the city council in Footloose, he said, there is a time to leap. And it turned out that time was coming. That time was when a Graboid is coming right at you. (laughs) Later on, when a Graboid is coming right at him, and it goes off the cliff and it dies. (laughs) Wow. Well, somebody needs to cut these two movies together. We we really should. This is something that I I only recently noticed when watching Tremors. But I think it's a very, very cool foreshadowing, I guess, Um, is right at the very beginning of Tremors. When Val uh, first wakes up Earl, uh, they're in the truck. He wakes up Earl, essentially, by stomping around and dancing on the truck, which is how he woke up the Tremors back in Footloose when he was a kid. But then also, Earl slides out of the truck in his brown sleeping bag 
onto his head on the ground. And he looks just like a graboid wrapped up in that uh, brown sleeping bag. And this is exactly what Val does to the graboid at the end of the movie. He dances around in front of it until it goes off a cliff and falls on its head. And if you put those two scenes together side by side, Earl falling out of that truck really looks exactly like the graboid falling off the cliff. Um, and I, I just have to ask, was there any sort of intentional foreshadowing there? Or was it just a wonderful coincidence? <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to bring that up to Ron and Brent. Because they are much more into that kind of filmmaking than I am. And I think both of them would love to say, <laughs> yes, Earl is foreshadowing the graboid. I cannot say that we all thought that at the time, desperate as we were to try to just get the movie shot. Yes. But that's pretty good. He does look like a graboid coming out of the truck. Mm -hmm. so it could be foreshadowing. I got to make a note. Wait, I got to actually write it down or I'm going to forget it. That's very cool that the movie starts with, you know, this kind of tremor-like figure falling out of a truck, and then it ends with a tremor falling off a cliff. But it's, it's definitely a fun one. It's definitely, you know, it's, you know, sort of a classical, critical analysis of a movie. Mm -hmm. See what they did here. <laughs> See the shape. Oh. Uh, that's, that's we, we, we try to dig <laughs> far deeper than anyone ever should into movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed so far. S.S. Wilson was kind enough to reach out to his fellow writers, Brent Maddock and Ron Underwood, and ask them if this scene was included intentionally as some sort of reference to the Tremor's death at the end. Here's what they had to say about it. Ron said, I've seen the idea of Earl being a symbol of the graboid in his sleeping bag as he falls off the back of the truck, disturbed by Val just as it happens at the end. And it is great foreshadowing since Val is standing atop the cliff moments before, However, I don't think that was intended. I never thought about it until I saw it online. I wish it was. Maybe it was subconsciously put into my script. Brent said the following. Earl in a sleeping bag falling off the back of a pickup truck is a clever foreshadowing of the film's climax. My idea. I tell you it was mine. All mine. Mine, mine, mine. I'm joking here. Or am I? These fans are so damn clever. Between them and OpenAI's ChatGPT, we pretty much got the new Tremors already written. So that was so kind of uh, S.S. Wilson to get back to us. And of course, Ron and Brent for uh, chiming in on this theory. We really appreciate it. And it was really cool to hear their thoughts on that particular scene. Tremors 2. Uh, that's the end of Kevin Bacon. Uh, I mean, he's around, but we just never see him again. So Tremors 2 was the first one I saw. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm biased because I saw it when I was like 10 years old. But I think it's even more perfect for kids than the original. Well, uh, because... duh, it's got mousers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like, I remember I just loved the beginning of that, that movie because they're just killing Tremor, like Graboids left and right. And they're using remote control cars with dynamite Whoa, on them to yeah. do it. It's so cool. And it's still got the floor is lava thing where you have to, like, you know, stay off the ground. For Tremors 2, 5, 6, and 7, the main point that I want to make is that Tremors are uh, global. They, they are present in all kinds of different countries. Mexico, South Africa, Canada, Pacific Islands. They're all over the world. Tremors 3 and 4, though, actually have a lot of evidence that supports the Footloose connection. So Tremors 3 is where you get the ass blasters. Yeah, ass blasters. They're so <laughs> Just cool. Just their official name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought it was too bad because she also suggested butt launchers. And butt launchers is a way better name than oh, ass blasters. Butt launcher. Oh my gosh. There I was know. a butt launcher butt toy launcher. that we had. We had a toy we called <laughs> butt launcher. He could totally launch his own yeah. butt off of his body. <laughs> what a cool toy. Tremors 4 is the prequel it's the one where they show okay. kind of like yeah. tremors origins basically yeah tremors three and four are important because they show that graboids basically like make nests in specific spots and then terrorize those spots over generations forcing the inhabitants to adapt and enact specific rules and cultural norms to uh, basically like overcome life with the graboids <laughs> which is important because that's exactly what had happened in footloose Tremors 3 also shows us that the U.S. government will sometimes intervene and enact actual laws dictating what people in certain places can do and can't do to deal with the graboids. So I think Tremors 3 does a lot 
to kind of show how a society could end up like the like the town in Footloose. The little gimmick of Tremors 3 is that it, it they come back to perfection. But now there's like a tourist industry there where they've got this guy who's like bringing in tourists and, uh, you know, taking them on pretend Tremors safaris, uh, pretend Graboid safaris. But I thought it was a fun little inside joke where they have some tourists come up and they're like taking pictures with like a cardboard cutout of a Graboid. And they're like, hey, get a picture of me in the Tremor. <laughs> Look at me in the Tremor. Wow. And then the tourist guy is like, they're called Graboids, not Tremors. <laughs> and then no one listens to him because everyone they should be called, called Tremors. tremors. <laughs> That's completely unexpected gift from the audience, especially younger audience. And it was it took us completely by surprise. I don't remember when we first began hearing it, but by the time we did Tremors 3, as you say, we, we made a joke of it because we thought it was, it was great. To, to go back a, a separate step, we were not happy with the title Tremors. <laughs> we weren't particularly happy with the name Graboids. <laughs> Literally up until the day of shooting, we were still throwing out monster names to, to use in that scene where Victor and, and Bobby Jacoby come up with the name. And, and and you probably know the story that the movie was called Beneath Perfection. The head of the studio, when he got his crew jacket, threw it across the office and said, there's no blankety-blank way in hell we're calling any movie Beneath Perfection. That is so oh, no. weird. And you're calling it Tremors. <laughs> so we were stuck with the title Tremors. The fact that the fans began calling Graboids Tremors was kind of a relief and fun for us. Right. As kids, a lot of us didn't know what the word tremors meant, you know? <laughs> so we assumed that oh, it just yeah. refers to the monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, obviously it's a noun. <laughs> Those are the tremors. <laughs> so Bert is all ready and prepared, and he's going to take out these three graboids that they discover in perfection. Just before he can... The government shows up and imminent domains him. It's what he oh, always no. feared. It's what he talked <laughs> about since the first movie. They, they show up and they say that Graboids are a protected species. And then they enact oh, some laws to protect the species. tree huggers. I just think it's pretty interesting that the government is actually like creating laws prohibiting how people can act because of this race of animals. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened in Footloose. <laughs> wow. Tremors 4, the one that's set back in the 1800s, is important because it proves that Graboids have been around and interacting with humans for centuries. So it is totally plausible that Footloose could be a prequel to Tremors because yeah. Tremors 1 was not the first time Tremors had interacted with humans. And clearly there would be some sort of cult of the worm <laughs> led by John Lithgow. I don't know how the fans took it, but... For me, Tremors 4 is like the best movie in the series. I love Tremors 4. It's so good. There's a precedent here that they could change the name to, you know, something else like Beaumont, uh, because the town of perfection used to be called the town of rejection. Oh, no. Which is <laughs> <laughs> a horrible name for a town. Well, why do they, they call it that? that? I don't know. <laughs> Hiram Goomer, who is Bert's uh, ancestor, he, after going out on a few expeditions and just having people die, uh, he's like, let's all leave. Um, we don't need to live here. We can all just leave and restart <laughs> yeah. our lives. And everyone else is like, no, we'll never leave. We love this town <laughs> that minute, has no one left in it. Isn't Hiram the only one with a reason to stay? Because he owns the silver yes, mine? Yes, <laughs> exactly. He's the only one who actually has a reason to stay. This does set a precedent that there are certain communities that just will not leave. Um, they will just yeah. deal with the Graboids and they will you know, change their entire way of life to be able to live with Graboids for some reason. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, okay. This also shows that there are communities that have been devastated by Graboids and, you know, had entire populations leave or die as uh, the economy dwindles. So that's good for Beaumont changed its name because uh, yeah. it, it like that town had some green grass, but that's just because people were watering. Clearly it was in an, a desert location. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if people just moved out, then it would become like a ghost town and it would look just yeah. like uh, perfection. It sure would. And last time there was a massive uh, graboid attack, everyone left or died and the town changed its name. 
So I can see why that would happen again <laughs> and again and again. <laughs> and sometimes they might change the name back. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, they change it from rejection to perfection to Beaumont to perfection. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once you start changing a name to a town, you just can't stop. It's just like, ah, I don't know. I think I, I think I liked perfection. Let's go back to, yeah, like, let's go back, back to, to perfection. The name, name of the third movie. Dude, that, it was explaining it. They changed the name back to perfection. <laughs> <laughs> the title of the movie told us that's yeah. why it's not Beaumont anymore. So eventually, uh, Hiram Goomer he has a change of heart. So he sells everything he has left and buys guns. And wow, comes dude, back. that's exactly what a Goomer I would know. do. <laughs> he becomes he, he becomes Bert. All the guns he buys are great. But there's a specific gun that he buys that's insane. It's called a punt gun, and it's absolutely massive. It's it's shaped like a rifle, but I've never seen anything like it. It's like something out of Final Fantasy. Like it's like twelve <laughs> feet long and like is is wide around as like a log. But it's it's just got like a trigger, like a massive trigger that's like huge. Like it's it just looks like a normal gun, just upscaled, and it's real. <laughs> Like, it's an actual gun. They would use, apparently, they would use punt guns to hunt an entire lake full of ducks in one shot. (laughs) (laughs) In one shot. So you just aim it at a lake and shoot, and everything in that lake dies. (laughs) That one we had to build. They're not all that common. And you you mount it like a cannon in a tiny little ridiculous rowboat. And you lay under a tarp or under, you know, camo netting and you wait for a million ducks to land in front of you. And then you in kill one them all shot. with this ghastly <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. It's, it's, it's a marketing yeah. thing. No, punt guns were insane. And apparently it was so effective that they had the, the U.S. government had to make laws about not transporting fowl over state lines because people would use punt guns and just kill every bird in a lake and then ship them somewhere else. So they had to, like, stop that. <laughs> like, don't transport birds. And then people stop using punk guns. Anyway, crazy gun. Uh, I really like that they put it in this movie. And it was going to be the ending. Until <laughs> we found out we could get a real steam traction engine. And somebody said, you know, there's this guy down in San Diego. He can bring a real steam tractor. You got to be So that thing was real? That was a functional steam tractor engine? Oh, absolutely real. A hundred and some year old machine. Wow. Yeah, that thing is awesome. Yeah, the guy was on set hours ahead of the rest of us, (laughs) firing it up with wood to get the steam up to speed, up to pressure. And uh, yeah, it was an absolutely real machine. When I got that, I said, this has to be the climax somehow. I cannot have this thing on the set and not be using it that way. Man, that's amazing. After they've dealt with all the Graboids, basically he makes a law. He says, okay, everybody, now I'm in charge. I own the silver mine. I own this town. From now on, we tell nobody. We never mention Graboids to anyone. Uh, this is this is the rule from now on. (laughs) And this explains why nobody's ever heard of Graboids. So this town has a history of, of instituting weird rules as laws that you just don't break. Like, no dancing, no talking yep. about Graboids. No talking about Graboids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, the hotel owner, who is like a redheaded Southern Belle, turns out he's like really into her. And then they get married. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so possibly Bert Gummer married like his cousin. <laughs> and, or just a person who looks a lot like right. his grandma. But, yeah. <laughs> Last thing I have to say, this is my real life evidence. There are, and you know, there's a bunch of crazy stuff like this from like cowboy times, but there's actual legends, like real life legends of pterodactyl like creatures being spotted all throughout the Midwest, um, particularly around Arizona. Yeah, the Thunderbird. Um, And there's like, you know, old black and white photos that they've taken where like a bunch of cowboys are standing around like the body of a pterodactyl. (laughs) Um, and no one's ever been able to like verify these photos. I mean, they're real photos, but no, no one's ever been able to figure out what that thing was that they took a picture with. Most people just think it's like something that they faked so that they could like put it together for like a dime store or a dime museum or whatever. But yeah, there's a legitimate uh, legends of like pterodactyls flying around in cowboy times, which could have totally been, uh, graboids, ass blasters. 
<laughs> you know, oh. if real life was a movie, which would support that, uh, you know, yeah. there could have been a town. That's good evidence. With graboids in it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's not good evidence because real life is not a movie. But anyway. <laughs> Other fan theories that you may or may not have heard. Lots of people like to try and pretend that graboids uh, are the same species as the sandworms from the Dune series. Some of the colonization ships from the Dune series maybe visited Earth and seeded it with sandworms to try and get them to produce spice. But maybe the Earth lacked some minerals that enabled them to actually, you know, get gigantic and suck up all the water and produce spice. So they abandoned Earth and just left the worms there. And those worms evolved into into graboids. I've never heard that one either. I have heard, I've gotten the question many, many times, are graboids based on sandworms? You know, and I, I've always felt like they aren't. You know, the original idea was, was I, I imagined it as something like a shark that was under the sand uh, when I was out hiking around in the desert. Uh, but I know I've never heard, you know, and that's actually kind of a fun theory. It's miniature sandworms and from some previous colonization, that's that's kind of extraordinary. When uh, Dune Part Two comes out, I'm hoping that we see some giant ass blasters to confirm this. Oh theory. yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that's what we want. We want them to take some tremors. So before I go, are you convinced that uh, Footloose was actually a town plagued by graboids and was actually a prequel to Tremors? Yeah, I mean it makes Footloose like worth watching it makes it so much better i don't, it makes it don't know so how hard we want to go on footloose people love that movie but no that's a that's fascinating well you guys have lived up to your to your promise uh, sure enough there are, i mean get granted that i'm still answering fan questions it's quite interesting to me that you have unearthed a half a dozen things that have never crossed you know my plate you know because i am still paying attention so <laughs> well I'm, I'm so happy that that we didn't let you down <laughs> that we, we kept you entertained and kept you on your toes <laughs> all true hard to argue with before we go uh i just wanted to say it was amazing meeting you steve um thank you so much for taking the time to talk about tremors uh seriously i've, I've been a big fan of the franchise for a while so this uh it, you know meant a lot to me to hear some of the behind the scenes stories so really appreciate it Music for this episode is provided by Christine. We're a completely independent podcast. So if you like what we're doing and you want to support us, we have a Patreon. Uh, feel free to go over there and uh, subscribe. Send us a little bit of support. It would really mean the world to us and it would help us to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, other than that, uh, you can reach us on X. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. We have a Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Maybe we'll move to something else. It's starting to get ridiculous, but whatever. I don't want to be on Twitter anymore. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, this is SS Wilson signing off. And remember, the popcorn isn't real. <laughs>